This is the Financial Coconut Podcast, Singapore's first personal finance podcast network. I'm your host, Reggie, aka Your Chief Financial Coconut, and every Tuesday, you'll be joining me on my personal segment, First Dips, where I bring you through some of the latest, most interesting ideas in the personal finance space, hoping you inch closer to the life you love while managing your finances well. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey coconuts, welcome back. You know, actually, non-Muslim can also participate in Islamic finance. It's just a more ethical way of looking at things. So today we are going to continue this discussion to focus on three big pointers, right? Three big things out there on like, is this actually halal, right? So once again, we're going to continue our discussion with Raj, our resident expert, and uh, Taisha, our resident co-host. So welcome back. (laughs) I got yeah, 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 I like, yeah, I give you, okay? Uh, fast Q. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. I welcome you to another day with the Financial Coconut. In our podcast, Burbanking Financial Myths, discovering best financial practices and discussing financial strategies that fits our unique life. You get it. Ultimately, empowering us create a life we love while managing our finances well. So today, we're going to answer three big questions. Is this halal? When we're back with Raj. Hello, everybody. I'm so uh, happy and I thank you for inviting me. My name is Raj. Mohammed, and I'm in this Islamic finance and consulting business under the name of Five Pillars. All right. Why Five Pillars? Five Pillars is a very common term that Muslims are aware. It is the Five Pillars of Islam. I feel so unaware. <laughs> I mean, he's about to make you aware, girl. Yes, so listen, educate me. Yes, come. <laughs> yes, come. No, the, the, every Muslim has got these five pillars. The first one is a pronouncement of, of being a Muslim and, and accepting the Prophet, uh, the prophet, the messengers are prophet. And, and, then God the, and God is the soul omnipotent, if I can use that word. Right? And believing in heaven and hell. And second one is we've got five time prayers. So we've got the prayers. We've got the fasting that you may be, and if you know Hariraya Puasa, and that is it for the one month, we are fasting. And then every Muslim has to give a very small percentage of their net income for annually towards alms or, or charity, right? We call it zakat. And then finally, only those who can afford to and who are, are capable, right? Like they're not ill to make a pilgrimage to the Mecca. So these are the five pillars of Islam. So I thought that would be quite a nice name and I think the logo will look okay. La. <laughs> yeah, really cool. And Tasha Khan in the house. Hey, everyone. <laughs> it's me. Yeah, so for all of who you that, yeah, who, who are you, right? Like for all the people tuning in. Okay, yes. Hi, I'm Taisha. I am a Reginald's friend from junior college. I am an actor. Actually, nobody uh, knows I'm Reginald, you know. Everybody just call, I, I, I say like, I I'm Reggie. I what you think Reggie yeah, is short uh, for. Whatever, yeah. Okay, okay, life moves on. Yes, yes. <laughs> No, no, it's okay. Continue. Yeah, continue. <laughs> okay, so I'm an actor, a writer. I am a creative. 
Mm-hmm. I'm interested in a lot of things and I'm oh I've always wanted to co-host a podcast, so I'm very happy Woo-hoo. to be here. Yes. Do you have a plug, like your latest show or something? Um no, just Google me. Follow me on Instagram. Mm. I post a lot of stupid things. So we are back today as an extension of our chills episode to talk about three points, right? Like I always like to talk about three points in our Tuesday segment. And today we are gonna run through is this halal? You know, but this Ooh. sounds like a game show, right? <laughs> is this halal? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so we're gonna we're gonna do this because uh, I think there's a lot of different products out there today, and there's a lot of uh, misconceptions sometimes, <laughs> and there are a lot of things that I think we can answer in this format right so before we begin is anybody has anything you want to add before the game starts of is this halal <laughs> no i think i'm, I'm all ready to go <laughs> yeah i'm ready let's do this yeah, i'm ready. ready to play is, is this, this halal, halal? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah maybe, maybe this could become a visual thing right yeah. but, but yes 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 so so i think on that background and on that basis i think um we go on the first point right which is the first first question and the first point that i really wanted to ask you know is taking a mortgage to buy a house halal well the question is context right yes. so you need to know so is taking a mortgage halal so the straightforward answer is if you take a conventional interest based mortgage on paper it's not whereas if you take an islamic mortgage it is So that's what, right? But the question then is, is there an Islamic mortgage services available mm. where you are? If it is available, then there are moral obligation, not legal obligation mm. for one to look into it and then try and subscribe to it. Clarification, is all Islamic <clears throat> finance a moral obligation on some yes, level? Yes, absolutely correct. All Islamic finance are simply a moral obligation for Muslims. What else is an economic and a financial obligation for non-Muslims? Mm. Right? Ethical so consideration. Ethical consideration. Yes, Excellent. Yes, yes. Yeah. Mm. So in a similar way, it's not just... I mean, your question is, is taking a mortgage loan halal or permissible, right? I think the question is more uh, centered on the, on the fact that it's taking a conventional interest-based mortgage loan halal. I guess that's what it is. So... Interest or rather conventional interest elements have always been frowned upon by Muslims, mm. right? So in Singapore, having a roof over your head is essential. So we have to try and look for... I think for, everywhere having yeah, a roof is essential. I think, I think it's essential to have a roof. Yes, yeah, absolutely right, right? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much for your thinking. Yeah. Yeah. But it's more like a social context. Right? Social. Everyone wants that. Everyone wants a yeah, home wants over your head, yes, right? Yes, yes, yes. So yeah. if somebody says that just because there is no... Islamic mortgage doesn't mean does that mean that you can't take any mortgage loan at all, or should I go onto a rental etc. So Islamic finance centered around uh, anything that is interest based, and it it advocates, encourages, compels you to look for Islamic solution not just for mortgage but for any loan for that matter, uh, be it your you know a business loan or renovation loan or mortgage loan. And it also on, so one is this wanting capital, one is also placing capital, so on your investment side. So would you would put into a conventional fixed deposit versus an Islamic fixed deposit? So we always would want to try and look for Islamic product, whether it's available where you are and advocates you to take it, right? There are other 
considerations too. What happens if for some reason the Islamic mortgage loan is far more expensive than the conventional one? How do you make that decision? Because your capability to service the loan, right? Does it becomes uh, very difficult? So any any consumer would have several uh, deciding factors before it decides to go Islamic or otherwise. And and I think I'm coming from the ground that because. HDB, you know, which is everybody you should know, right? HDB, you know. um, (coughs) Housing Development Development Board. Board, Yes. So HDB actually has a loan, you know, that... Uh, it goes at about two point six percent, you know, or one or zero. To be exact, it's zero point one percent above OA. So if OA changes, you know, uh, things change, right? So it's it's packed to your CPF interest rates. Exactly. Um, but what happens with HDB loans is you can take up to ninety percent, right. right? Whereas all other bank loans, you take up to seventy five percent. That means your right. down payment size is a lot bigger. Correct. And HDB loan is not halal. Exactly. Right. So how does that work? Basically, if you look at it, if you look at history, it is the usurious practices that has been condemned. And usurious practices, and the definition is charging excessive money on money. So that's what we don't want to. Because mm. if you allow that to happen, and then we know the devastating consequences it has. Mm. Now, what you're doing here is to purchase a home to bring up your family. And here you have an avenue that you can have a loan and able to service it. And it happens. HDB is a, is a government entity, an agency, and its job is not to service Muslims alone. It has been developed and it has got, uh, what I would say, certain schemes that would try and make every Singaporean own a home. So there are camps out there that permit it and there are camps out there who are vehemently against it. Right. You mean so like taking HDB taking loan because HDB it's not, loan. Okay. Yes. Okay. But, but the reality loan. is, one is ninety percent loan. You know, which you only need to pay ten percent down payment. Exactly. The other one, which is the banking loan out there for mortgage, this is like mandate, right? Legal mandate is seventy five percent only. Exactly. There's so much. Can you even compare it this way? Yeah. Islamic finance allows one to subscribe to conventional solutions mm. in the absence of an Islamic. So if you realize HDB has been around since Singapore, right? So it has been giving this scheme for all this while. So what has happened here is that there are interest group that wants to continue this conversation. If I may quote uh, the member of parliament, Zulkarnain, has recently brought it up in the parliament as one of his questions to try and explore offering Islamic HDB equivalent. And I think that is a very healthy sign. There are conversations yeah, that are happening and there are people who are having the conversations and we are glad that that conversation has already commenced. Nice. So we need the right time to introduce different schemes and I think now is the right time to talk about it too. And I'm sure we'll find a solution that is uh, compatible and, and, and would be acceptable by all. I think, okay, firstly, I, I had no idea that there were people who were opposed to taking like a mortgage because they don't think that it's halal. Okay, so my question was that you said that the HDB loan is not halal. Mm. I am not sure that that's true. Is that true? Yeah, look, what makes it non-halal? Two things, right? A, the contract has the word interest. Okay. Right? That's what I said. We are now charging you X interest amount. Secondly, absence of any halal language in there or Sharia language in there. So that makes it non-halal. I mean, I, I would say that 
halal doesn't have to be, you know, a certain language or it is a practice, right? So let's say if the interest rate isn't usurious, then why should we consider it not halal? There are two, three components into it, right? You've got to look at it in the context of the financial transaction or the contract. So if I don't get it from HDB, I'm going to get it from a bank, right? So the party that I'm indebted to is now a financial institution instead of HDB. What makes a product halal? Everyone will ask you for a certification. Every Islamic product, they'll ask for certification. Mm. Who calls it halal? There isn't one for the HDB. So we cannot explicitly call it as Sharia compliant or halal. Mm. But the... But that is just the, in a language, the right? language. In so the, the essence of it, it the is, essence of it, it I, I think it, it looks to be because the I prices think, are not... I like that. Yeah, yeah I think because, you know, it's not usurious, it mm. is fair, you know. Uh, you know, if you look at it, what would the bank, what would HDB do in the event you cannot default? It has an obligation because, you know, in the event that you cannot pay, there are... It's not like you, you they have to let you stay there for free, right? I mean, they have... A certain responsibility. However, I think they will not throw you out the day you there's a default. Lah. So there will be discussion and there will be a lot of negotiation to try and get you some form of accommodation, a delay in repayment, a restructuring in the repayment. Mm. So that kind of thing would happen. Yeah. HGV does a lot of that. Yeah. I think my question is a bit more like, okay, if we look at food, sorry, my a lot of my reference for halal is food. <laughs> Same <laughs> for mine. <laughs> so let's say something is not halal certified. It doesn't mean it's not halal, right? Absolutely. So let's, I mean, water... You don't need it to be halal no. certified because it's water. It doesn't need to be slaughtered properly yeah, unless yeah. for some reason the water is tainted with alcohol yeah. which no, makes it I, not water. Yeah, so my question yeah. is that for that financial product, just because it's not Islamic finance doesn't mean it's not halal finance. Very simple. You know, you walk into Starbucks to have your coffee, right? No halal sign there. Mm. But you still find Muslims walking in there and yeah. having the drink. So do we now call it halal to drink it or we find all elements of non-halal is present there, right? Yeah. Because they don't serve pork there. They only serve cakes and mm. savouries and coffee. So we are comfortable yeah, eating yeah. there. But look at the flip side of it. Of Would you go and eat into a place that says no pork, no lard? No Muslim would. Or a Muslim would go and eat there, but they may probably eat fish and vegetables and etc. Mm. Right? But nobody will eat the chicken there because the chicken... Uh, you know, has to be slaughtered in a certain way. Mm. But let me also tell you something interesting. The chicken, all right, Muslims can eat a kosher meat, all right? So you know it's a kosher, right? The, the Jews has a certain juice, way of yes. doing it. And then we can, Muslims can eat that kosher meat. Mm. So it's not in the pronouncement of some Arabic phrases that makes it halal. Mm. So it's we're a methodology. There, huh? We're going there. Right? So what about right. coconut? Okay. But the thing is, I think, I think Raj is broadly aligned with you, right? Mm. But it's more yeah. of a bringing up this point. Yes. Um, yeah, I think for me, it was just differentiating yeah. the idea of Islamic yeah. finance and whether it's halal. Because yeah. I, I would personally say if Starbucks only serves coffee, I mean, okay, let's ignore... Starbucks may not be the best example because they do have non-halal meat there. I mean, non. we don't know if it is Actually, or not. Actually, I, I kind of asked them. Mm. They said that they... So, well, I, I may be wrong, right? But yeah. I did check. They say they get from a halal uh, meat uh, producer, Supplier. and they don't want to have it as a as a policy in the country uh, uh, in the company not to favor or show any emblems as favoring any particular community. Mm. So, but that's, that's their policy, right? Yeah, but that's, but that's it's, them. You see, there's this word called waswas mm. in, in in every Muslim, and that is. You know, are you comfortable? Mm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Are you comfortable doing this thing? 
And so they, like I said, she could go and eat in a place that I'm not comfortable and vice versa mm-hmm. because we are only answerable to our creator. Yeah. So Muiz doesn't come after me. No uh, Islamic police come after me. Unlike, uh, I think, Malaysia, right? If you don't fast, they would come and catch you or something. Like I catch a Muslim. I, yeah. can't, I can't speak, I can't speak <laughs> on this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, apparently there has yeah. been some, some... I mean, some yeah. of the countries there are religious police. Mm, yeah, not yeah. in Singapore but I, I think the question leads towards what will you tell our audience if let's say some people are listening in and they may struggle with putting 25% down payment right just to get an Islamic loan Correct. but Correct. they could jolly well fit 10% Correct. down payment right? how, how would you how would you speak to these people it is a responsibility what I say is not a fatwa right mm. so we would say that the loan given by HDB are very favourable financially. So if approve you... Approve, TFC uh, approve. <laughs> I probably, I probably agree, right? yes. yes. So we also got a certifying yes, board. Got, yeah, we're we mm. going to have our own logo, right? And put on right. the financial product, right? Idea, yeah, yeah. Retail-friendly products. Exactly. <laughs> so as I say, you know, HDB has got certain terms and, and certain, uh, what do I say, contractual obligations that may be friendly. But if you as a Muslim are very adamant and want to, you know, keep to the book and insist, then then I think it is it is your rights to refuse it, right? But at the end of the day, it's all about how do you spend that finite resources, which is your financials. If you are able to meet the obligations comfortably and may not be able to do so if you go for an alternative solution, then it gives you that you've got to, to, to rethink. But having said that, we do understand. See, Muslims are minorities and we do understand and we want to address it. And that's why I say the conversations have started. I think because you mentioned that there's three things to Islamic finance, I think generally also in Islam, harm to yourself, harm to others, community, and also harm to the environment. So if it's harmful to yourself, in the sense that if you don't take the HDB loan, you are harming yourself because you are unable to provide for yourself. Yeah, it's a statement somebody has to make. You may or you may not. Because you may not be harmful, but you may save a lot. That's not harming, right? So I'm. So let's say I can comfortably service an Islamic bank loan rate that's higher. So I can comfortably save. But if I were to take the HDB it's not a question of harming or otherwise, right? So I'm going to pay less. By paying less, my disposable financials are more. By disposable financials are more, then I'm going to spend that resources more, you know, in, in, in a humanly way or in a much more socially responsible way. So the harmful must be used, you know, in a very mm. careful way. The harmful is, you know, if you say that, yeah, I don't care, I want to stick to interest and because the God has completely condemned the participation of interest very well, then it's your right to go out. And if you want to pay more, it's fine. However, by doing so, that you'll find that you are compromising on other obligations mm-hmm. to your family. Yes. And that to me is, 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 is harming, it right? Is. So, so would you yeah. say in such a situation, then it would be more Islamic for you to go for the yeah, uh, I mean, that's a very sensitive thing to say about Islamic. Yeah. But I would, I would ask Muslims to, to make the right choices, you know, because if you are a part of a family, you have a responsibility. So your decision would have an impact on everyone who's depending on you. Great. Love it. So, which brings us to the next point, and that is, is Bitcoin halal? <laughs> and we'll continue this afterward from our sponsor. 
mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Okay, Raj, is Bitcoin halal? You see, it's it's very interesting. I remember there was once a question someone posed, is cryptocurrency permissible, right? And then it wasn't to me, it was to someone else. And then the response was, yeah, but you know, Bitcoin price now have crashed. Now, if you look at the question again, the question was, is cryptocurrency, which I think by now should be 10,000 of them and counting, (laughs) (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. Is it permissible? And the response was, Bitcoin is high volatility and it has crashed. So people's understanding of this new asset class is what's leading to confusion and the permissibility of this, whether it's halal or not. Now, cryptocurrency is an asset that's very new. And I think it's not just Muslims. Even the conventional markets are trying to understand how do they deal with this. So that's why you find very cautious steps, not just taken by Singapore, but even in the US. You know, I just read something that the US Congress or someone in there asking them to approve a cryptocurrency ETF or a Bitcoin ETF. So they're still, and it's already a decade since it has been introduced. Mm -hmm. So the question here is, is this permissible? No, just like stocks, you know, there are thousands and millions of them all over the world. There are also many different kinds of cryptocurrencies. Mm-hmm. There are some that are used for unhealthy uh, entertainment, all right? And similarly, they are used for economic purpose. So the way to deal with this question, whether cryptocurrency, so not just break Bitcoin per se, is to look at its application. What does each one of the coins or what are these or these tokens? Because what are they? Are they actually coins? Are they tokens? Are they currencies? Because people are still trying, struggling to define them. Ripples is still involved in a lawsuit that the US is not able to define what is it. So there, it is a very, very, uh, I would say, a fastly developing and evolving, um, I would say, industry and asset class. But having said that, uh, because we are involved in it, and we have got scholars who have approved a list of coins or it's tokens a, a as proof list. they have approved list. Where do we find this <laughs> list? As for a good price, we can. Do. <laughs> oh wow! Wow, the merchant in use here. I've got to make a bit of money, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, uh, jokes aside, I think if you do a Google, you can find them. Some of them are there. And Bitcoin, by the way, has been certified as as permissible, right? So there are certain coins that has been deemed as permissible. So just like uh, any. Uh, you know, to, for for easy example or analogy, you got to look at just like an equity, a listed equity, right? So just because it's halal doesn't mean it's going to make you lots of money or going to make you lose lots of money, all right? So the price uh, depends on its intrins- intrinsic value and its application. So that's where we are at the moment. So the long and short of it is, please do not discount all cryptocurrencies as non-halal, 
All right, there are uh, opportunities for us to involve in tomorrow's technologies. And as they always say, do your own research. So continue to do so. There are enough literatures in the in the Google today or in the net for that matter for you to make that decision. Or you could call me at or can I sell myself? <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. But there are there are evidences that there are and there are money making opportunities. But you've got to tie that with your own risk appetite. Okay, so how do you decide which cryptocurrency? Is- is permissible based mm. on you said these two things right what they are used for and also the value I, I like to use the equity of the listed companies um, analogy because it's easy and everyone's very familiar with it so what would you call a company as permissible alright so like I said there are some industries that we don't want to advocate right and investing in them is a a subtle form of advocating and supporting that firm. You're putting right? capital to it, yes. Exactly, mm. right? So we don't want to do that. So for that matter, right, um, you know, buying into, I mean, I don't want to mention any any company name, don't mm. want to be sued, but, <laughs> you know, Smart we don't move. want to invest in a casino company, mm. right? Because that would lead to gambling and gambling obviously lead to, you know, social problems and etc. So similarly, and obviously into uh, the banks are off because their primary income or revenue is generated through interest-based transactions. So similarly, we would look at the application of each of the coins and, and, and look at where they are applied and, and their use. And then that's how uh, we look at who the owners are, what are their activities. And there are several criteria filters that we use to try and determine them as compliant. Having said that, that doesn't mean that once we have certified them as compliant, they perennially remain as compliant mm. because mm. the activities and applications can, can evolve, change. Yes. Mm-hmm. So we would relook them. So that's why there are uh, reviews done annually to ensure that they remain compliant or otherwise. But the very basis of cryptocurrency, you have to do cryptocurrency mining. And my understanding is that cryptocurrency mining is bad for the environment. So in that case, with the three principles that it's avoid harm to self, avoid harm to the community and avoid harm to the environment, isn't by that definition cryptocurrency, all cryptocurrency should be haram? Let me give you a very interesting anecdote. Some time ago, there was a company that said that drying your hands using the dryer in the you'll find the restroom is not good or something to that effect. And that research was funded by a tissue paper company. Same okay. with the orange juice thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? So similarly, the, mm. the, 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 the camp is out there. All right? So people, there are research that has uh, shown and very convincingly argue that the mining does not does harm enough than what others are doing uh, elsewhere. For mm. example, some of the plantation companies have been condemned for burning their their plantations for regrowth and etc. Mm-hmm. So it seems like there are always two camps as to those who want to and want not. We, being involved in Islamic finance and certifying some of them, we did our research and there is a compelling reason to say that the environment released by them by and large may not necessarily be in an alarming rate that it has made out to be. Mm. Yeah, and, and I think it's a bit of a of a liberal left kind of idea because, exactly. <laughs> because yeah. like, you know, they're saying like, oh, you know, China is polluting the world. It's like China exactly. produces everything <laughs> in this world. You know, of course, it's the biggest polluter, exactly, right? right? Like, so, so, so there's an ongoing discussion, ongoing discussion right? Yeah, but, so. but specifically on Bitcoin and in the crypto space, I think a tangent question will be, is staking then? You know, like I said, you know, every other day you're finding a new term coming into this 
uh, crypto space and staking is one such. So what is basically staking? Staking is just to keep it simple, is equivalent to earning a yield or uh, or an extra if you were to, so it's equivalent to fixed deposit, mm. all right, if you want to call that. So if you were to park some of your cryptocurrencies with what they call as LP or liquidity provider after a particular term, then they would give you a certain return. Right, I think they use the word APY, which, which uh, the name, the extension of it, just you know, I can't remember it. Anyway, they call it APY and etc. Now you got to understand this market is not developing for Islamic finance. So when people write literatures on staking, they started using the word interest. But is it really interest? In the conventional term, the answer is no. So we have gone to our scholars and they've done the analysis of staking and find that that is not equivalent to interest. But literatures are written not just for Muslims, it's for investment purposes. And for convenience sake, I think they're using the word loosely, the word interest to describe the yield that's getting from staking. In our sense, we find that staking is permissible. But the question then here is which coin, right? Mm -hmm. So staking as an activity is, but that doesn't mean a non-halal coin you go and stake and that's, that's permissible. Mm. So there are different moving parts in this thing. So if you were to have a particular crypto asset that is deemed as compliant or Sharia compliant or halal, then if you stake it and the return can be deemed as halal. Oh, interesting. interesting. Yeah, I didn't know. Ooh, there's so much activity going on. So many questions yes, to ask so and so questions. little time. So little time. Which brings us to the third point. Is index funds halal? Halal! Because, because this is like the big thing, right? In the market at this point in time. Right. A lot of people are talking about low-cost index funds, broadly diversified, yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, so, sure. But in index funds, there's so yeah. many things, I right? Think, I think the simple way to do it is not to just look at whether index funds are halal, right? Because what happened if there is a South Asian financial index fund? Mm. The financials, like I say, as an industry is not. So we can't look at it from that way. But the quick answer to that is if you were to do the search on Sharia compliant index funds, I'm sure you'll find them quite a bit. So those are permissible, uh, deemed as halal by a panel of scholars. Mm. So yes, some of them are. So you got to do your search and who they are and, and that information is publicly available. So, so are they like shadow funds that kind of shadow like S&P 500 or, you know, are, yeah, are there those true. kind of like, yeah, well, so, so how does it work? Okay, how, how it works is, so let's take S&P since you mentioned it as an example. So if there is an S&P, say, technology fund, then there can be an S&P Sharia compliant technology fund. Hmm. The difference between these two is the scholars would do a screening. A screening is looking at certain filters. Do they, do they take off? There's a qualitative analysis and a quantitative analysis. Qualitative analysis looks at their activities, while quantitative looks at their financials. So if they are pronounced, if they've got a high liability, for example, they end up paying huge amount of interest, for example. Or if they are very cash rich, and if their revenue is, is quite big on, on, on this interest, then they may be questionable. So there are scholars who will look uh, these uh, screenings, apply them, and these are universally accepted uh, screeners, right? Mm. There's, the literature behind the screeners are very publicly available. So if you do an MSCI Sharia, for example, you can find them, or if you don't know the word Sharia, you can use SNP Islamic 
or Dow Jones Islamic. It's not halal. <laughs> no, Dow Jones halal doesn't work. I don't think they use the word halal. They use the word Islamic. Since I'm so outside, right? Yeah, yes, please continue. Yeah. Uh. So you, yes, you can find literatures on them publicly available. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So do they perform very closely aligned with the underlying index that it's trying to emulate or... You know what is the kind of historical performance yeah. of, of I mean, these funds? If I funds? say yes, then naturally you're going to find everyone going into Islamic, right? <laughs> so every business and every mm. company have their cyclical performances, right? Mm. There's ups and downs. However, having said that, they find that at some times um, that the Sharia so it's a different space, right? So when have they outperformed? So if you look at long term, typically they have been outperforming. Really? Yes, indeed. And but else in the short term, they may be compatible with the conventional ones. Mm. Is it more expensive to buy No, they Sharia? aren't. They definitely aren't. They are... Because look at it, what they do. If a conventional fund manager manages 100 um, what you call, technology companies, right? The other guy who's given the uh, Islamic portfolio will manage 50. So there is nothing extra on the other side to be more expensive, right? But having said that, all these charges are public information again in the prospectus, mm-hmm. right? So the charges are not necessarily tied to whether it's halal or sharia or non-sharia. Chinese people are always care about cost, right? <laughs> no comment. No comment. <laughs> Actually, yeah, yeah. I wish everyone should be mm. conscious of the cost yeah, because yeah. that impacts on your eventual. Course, yeah, so, and, and I think so it's, the, it's like, a good thing. It's yeah. not something something to be shy about. Yeah, yeah. Of Actually, I'm proud, yeah, yeah. I'm proud, proud that I care about <laughs> yeah. the cost. So yeah. in, in other words, you know, if our Muslim community tuning in, they want to participate in this low-cost index funds movement, broadly diversified, There are options out there that they can do and perform very well, you know, and and not feel like that, you know they are not. They're no, they are necessarily. Goals. You see, the question about is, what is investment all about? Investment is picking a time you think the cost is low, and then selling at a time you think you have had enough, right? So that's what is all investment about, right? So to going in and coming out at the right time. So if somebody wants has gone in and then at the peak he refused to think he's going to go higher, and then if he comes if he, if he, decides to come out or or liquidate at the time when it's coming down so he's just lost less so it's, it's it's very individual and just the 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 important thing is you know when you have put your money you need to show interest and then um and and then and then monitor it but having said that i think we are so lucky today to have so many tools including alert functions on so many apps that can tell you when you at what price you're looking at and whatsoever these were not possible 20 years ago So I think uh, investors, both young and, and and experienced, can benefit from tons of uh, available resources and the amazing number of uh, applications that would help you in monitoring your investments. Great, Tasha. Any closing questions? I think from just now we have been talking about whether interest is halal or not. I'm wondering because of the you know we have inflation, interest if it's tied to the inflation rate, can that be considered halal? What is interest and why are we against it is what first we need to go through. Yeah. So let's not get fixated on the word interest. Correct. Right? So what is interest? Interest has been used in many, many other definitions. It's in essence, it's called cost of fund, right? So if I am willing to part X dollars today for one year, I'm compensated for giving that right with a return. So that's what I am. So it works in both ways, right? So if I am taking money today 
and I'm returning it to it over a period of time, be it 10 or 20 years, then I'm compensating someone for it, right? So that, interestingly, in Islamic finance, is appreciated. Islamic finance appreciates the time essence of money, right? What we are totally against is somebody giving up money and sitting down and doing nothing economical and simply just charging interest and then charging interest on interest and whatsoever. So the, the whole question is not just interest and it's how somebody applies it. I mean, let me give you an example of why we are so vehement against it. There is a transfer of risk when somebody simply charges interest. And what do I mean by that? You are a great entrepreneur. You come to us. You want some money to grow your business. And you have now asked me. And what am I going to do? I'm going to disperse the money you need and I'm going to plonk an interest rate on it. Whatever happens to you, you are now obliged to pay me the interest and the principal. If you fail today, I will be giving charging you a penalty that is from an interest on interest. You continue not to you continue to default, I will probably send you a lawyer letter. And then you continue to do so, I'll try and force you to liquidate. And then I'll charge you for not bringing you to the court. And then at the end of the day, I will bankrupt you uh, or force you to pay in some form. And what do I do as a bank? The bank normally makes a non-performing loan provision. So I will write off, right? So that's what happens in a conventional interest. Now, Islamic finance doesn't mean you default, my hand goes up and asks for prayers. Huh? doesn't work that way. Huh? I'm sorry. Okay? I got to tell you that. Okay, yes, because yes. people cannot say, since you are Islamic, can you forgive me? It doesn't yeah, work. Yeah, yeah. because So the bank is actually a middleman who has to disperse depositors' funds and shareholders' funds and hold it responsibly. So we don't come to you only because you're a Muslim. So we'll read your, your, your business proposal, we'll study them together, and then if you are viable, we'll disperse it to you. But now we have a profit-sharing arrangement. The interest will be more of a profit-sharing. So your success is tied to my success. The more profit you make, the more the bank makes. So there is a partnership relationship, most probably on the Islamic finance side, vis-a-vis a transfer of risk, attitude on the conventional side, right? So is that what is practiced today? I, I'm not too sure about it, but that's the essence of it. Great. So um, thank you for tuning in to the very first episode of Is This How? Yes. <laughs> I was going to say, you know, I mean, we have so much more questions, so yeah. little time, and we would love to do more episodes. So who trying to sponsor us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you know, sponsor. And if you, if, you, if you love this, you know, to our Muslim community, and of course, to all of you non-Muslims, you know, that's very interested to find out a little bit more about the space so that you can build a closer relationship with your friends. We hope that today you have learned a few of these different tools that are very prominent out there and recognize that, you know, there are halal options and there's a lot more nuance to these kind of ideas. With that, I hope you learned something useful today. See ya. Hey, I hope you learned something useful today and truly appreciate that you took time off to better your life with the financial coconut. Knowledge is that much more powerful and interesting when shared, debated and discussed. Join our community's Telegram group, follow us on our socials, like, share, subscribe, share this with your friends and the people that you care about. If you have any other topics that you would love us to cover, yeah, talk to us, email us, talk to our Telegram group. I will see you next week. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Okay, so I hope you find this episode fun and interesting. And if you're a fan of Financial Coconut and a friend of the Muslim community, I just want to take an opportunity to shout out, right? So we on our team have been trying really hard to put together um, a Muslim or like Islamic finance podcast. Uh, or at least a podcast in Bahasa focused on personal finance, right? So we've been trying to do something like that um, to not much breakthrough, right? So uh, it's it's not always easy to recruit people. It's not always easy to recruit uh, good personalities with a great personality, like vibrant, at the same time has like decent depth and, uh, you know, can commit and all that, right? So uh, if you are someone like that and if you love to uh, create a Muslim podcast together with us preferably in bahasa uh, focus on personal finance please email to me hello at the financial coconut.com you know with your your cv what have you done everything <laughs> cv all that wow now we are tasked already okay we need cv yeah you know, show me something and then we'll we'll see if we can uh, build a bahasa personal finance podcast you know uh, yeah, focused on our Muslim friends and community, right? So let me know and we shall see where this brings us. Next week, next week, we're going to continue our discussion on cash management strategies. Right? Last week, we talked a little bit about the 7% high interest savings account. Um, next week, we, we're going to spend some time to talk a little bit about some of these other cash management strategies that are out there. You know, like uh, all your robo-advisors, all your brokers, you know, everybody is providing some sort of a cash management strategy, right? So what are they doing? You know, what is the difference between all of them and all that, right? So we will talk a little bit more about cash management strategies in 2023. See you next week.